Take your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. I want to get right into the Word this morning. We have uh, an after fellowship today. It's a soup fellowship. Um, some of you are on fast, Daniel, fast, things like that. So there's, I know there's things that work for that for you out there. For those of you who don't know, we're in something called 40 Days of Transformation, uh, where we've been praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. Um, and anytime you're doing that, anytime you're seeking a deeper, more intimate, intimate encounter with Christ, we also realize that um, he'll begin to reveal areas in our life that maybe need some balance and some attention. Uh, the, the spiritual battles are, are ramped up. And today as we, we get into this message called The Drifters, we're going to be learning the, the art of or the challenges of balancing personal devotion with practical duties. And so this is for people who really are already following Jesus. It's, it's a message that I think will, uh, all of us will be able to relate to, but it's critical that we are aware and conscious and uh, cognizant of what's going on because Mary and Martha, you're going to learn about this morning um, at their home, they were followers of Jesus. They were close. They were tight. And yet one of them right there in the very room with Jesus found herself kind of drifting away. So uh, we're going to get into his word this morning. I do, I do want to say this one more thing. If you are a young adult, not if you think you are, if you hope you are, if you wish you were, but if you are 20-something, uh, college age-ish, um, that's about 18 to 20-something, um, we really want to ask you to stay today. We've got um, the summit. Our, our young adults group kind of went through transition when Matthew and Sadie moved out of state. Uh, but we're really getting that going again with Misty and Josh. And they've just asked that you guys gather in the teen center when you get your soup. And there'll be a table of uh, 20-somethings in there. So I don't expect to see you over there, Mark Reynolds. I know you think you're 20-something. but um, kidding. So that's for our young adults. So uh, check that out. Listen, when, when I have five kids and all of my kids, I've uh, taught them how to ride their bicycles. I know that's kind of a lost thing today. A lot of kids would rather exercise their thumbs on video games. But uh, my kids all learned how to ride bikes when they were young, and they usually started with training wheels. And my first child, you know, your new parent, you're super protective. She had like body armor, you know, elbow pads, knee pads, helmet, breastplate, everything on her to protect her from getting hurt. Uh, by the time we got to Isaac, I just stuck him on a bike, forget the training wheels. You're fine, kid. Blood won't hurt you. I just shove him and figure it out. You did all right. He's still alive today. So, but I can remember like my, I can remember several of my children, especially Molly. We were living in New York at the time and we were in this little neighborhood and, and I was teaching her how to ride her bike. And, and when you're a father and you're teaching your child, especially, I guess it's different with girls. I wanted my boys to bleed because that makes you tough, right? Um, but the girls, you know, they're precious little flowers and they got to be tender and gentle. So Molly would learn how to ride her bike and she was just getting off training wheels and I'd keep her uh, I would be on the, the roadside where the traffic might come, and Molly's on the inside. She's close to the curb, and she's on the, the safest side, right? She's real close to me, and, and I'm just teaching her. I'm still balancing her, and I don't want her to get too far out in front of me because she's not ready for that yet, right? So she needs to stay close to my side, near to my feet, protected by Dad, away from danger, protected from the bad stuff that would come. And every now and then she'd get up on those wheels and start going out in front of me. I was like, get back here, Molly. You know, hold on and stay close to daddy. Because right here by my feet, by my side, next to me and close to me, there's safety. 
I'm still teaching you. You've got a lot to learn. You're not ready to be out on your own yet. Uh, I want you to be protected from harm, right? Anybody can relate to that. You taught your kids how to ride your bikes, right? You don't want them to get hurt. Well, today I want to talk to you about the reality that all of us kind of get out in front of and away from the feet of our master, our father, our heavenly father, where there's, where there's teaching, where there's protection, where there's comfort, you're in a good safe space. And, and yes, you need to grow up and, and put aside childish things, but the reality is the safest place for you to be, the best place for you to be, where there's learning, where there's teaching, where there's protection, where there's guidance, is right by the feet of your master, close to his side, right? Are you with me? But we all tend to get away from that somehow in life. Just I uh, was talking to a young man last night. We, uh, after our prayer time here in the sanctuary, we just sat right there and just began to talk about this, this very thing. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and decides, this is the day I'm going to begin to drift from the feet of my master. This is the day I'm going to begin to kind of venture off. It just kind of happens and it happens by accident. We get kind of far away from the feet of our father. We get far away from his side. We begin to just do things, and sometimes they're even very noble and important and honorable things. Maybe they're even Christian duties. We've got responsibilities. We're doing our duties, serving in the church. And this is why I said that this message is for believers. It's for people who, who are following Jesus, who are serving, who are busy, but it can happen to even your closest, his closest disciples. We become busy and we drift. Mary and Martha were, at the, were the sisters of Lazarus whom Jesus raised from the dead. They were known for their hospitality and their love for Jesus and for the disciples. They were known for their faith in the, in the resurrection at the tomb of Lazarus. They were also known for the conflict they had in their home while they were entertaining Jesus. It was a conflict over listening and serving Jesus. So what I want you to get in your mind and realize just in these next few minutes is that Martha was in the very same room with Jesus, she and Mary. She was right there in the flesh and blood and yet she drifted from him. What do I mean by she drifted? She, she lost the whole concept of it's so much more important who you are and abiding in Christ as we heard and knowing Jesus, not knowing about him, not knowing all the stories of him, but knowing him, like Dean said in that video, I want to know him. I don't want to know about him. Yet our churches today are often filled with people who know a lot about Jesus and they do a lot of good deeds for Jesus, and they're busy working for Jesus, but yet they've drifted from really knowing Jesus intimately. And if we're not careful, you and I can find ourselves there. It's awful quiet. There's one amen. Are you with me this morning? Are you awake? Okay, look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this morning. As Jesus and the disciples continued their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha 
was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, I pray in the next few minutes you would capture our heart our mind, our attention, that we would not be distracted by the cares and the worries of our mind and what's going on, even getting ready for after and all that stuff, and we just be focused on you and that your Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts today. I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to us and that you would continue to change us, to transform us into your image, in Jesus' name, amen. So... Um, I relate to Martha. I'm a detail person. Is there anybody else like that out there? I, I get really caught up in the details of things in life. And my wife and I, um, we have these, uh, these discussions often about that in our home. Um, I'm a person that's a doer. Are there any other doers in the house? Busy people? Do, 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 go, 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 go. Take care of this, take care of that. So I, I, that's me. Um, we like to entertain in our home. I, I caught myself doing this again Tuesday night, small group at our house. I just do it. I caught myself at the end. And I'm like, oh man, I'm still learning. I haven't got there yet. Is anybody else with me? I'm still, so God reminds me and I see these things myself. I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm still growing. So we had small group and, you know, we're busy entertaining and uh, everybody, uh, this was at the end of our group. I'm over at the sink. I'm doing all the dishes. If you're in my life group, I apologize, guys. I, I thought about this after. I was like, so I'm doing the dishes. I'm cleaning up. Everybody's saying goodbye behind me. I'm like, yeah, see, I got to do the dishes. Got to take care of the details. You know, they're at the table. I'm like, can you pick up your feet while I can vacuum underneath you? You know, <laughs> I didn't really do that, but that, I have in the past done that. Like, I want the house to be clean. You know, we're entertaining guests. I got to take care of the details. I got to prepare the big supper. I got to get everything ready. And Jesus is just there saying, Martha, Martha, Martha. Listen up, pay attention, just sit down. Say that with me, say sit down. Just relax and sit at my feet. Spend time with our guest, right? Well, there's dishes to be done, you know, and, and that's kind of me. I want everything to just be right. I want everything to just, that's, my, that's how God wired me. And God knows me, he knows you, he wired you that way, Right? And he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are, but to, to stretch you in different areas of your life. And, you know, I find that lots of marital feuds tend to be over small, silly things like, like how God made put two opposites together. They're totally different, right? But that's part of God didn't give you your marriages to make you happy, okay? So turn to your spouse and say, it's okay if you're here with your spouse. It's not just, it's to make you holy, He'll use your marriage to help refine you and to make you the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. He'll conform you and transform you into his image. But I want to give you this morning three dangerous signs that you might be drifting from the feet of Jesus. And if you sit here and you say, well, I don't really know. And, and this is a really good conversation I had. Again, I don't know uh, with the young man that was here last night, but he said, you know, 
I found myself even talking about Bible things and, and having conversations about God's stuff, but really missing the whole point of just abiding in Christ, knowing Jesus more intimately. So the first danger sign that I want to give you that might be drifting from the feet of Jesus is self-pity. Martha confronted Jesus, and she had the audacity and the nerve to say to Jesus, Don't you care? Look at verse 40. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? I mean, can you imagine the nerve? Don't you care, Jesus? You know, it's a pretty bold move to confront Jesus that way. You know, and this is what I learned from Martha. Where there's smoke, there's a fire, Right? And her heart was on fire with anger. She was, uh, and there was smoke coming out. Her mind was divided. Her spirit was disturbed. She, she was fuming inside. Don't you care? Doesn't it seem unfair? Look, what's going on here, Jesus? She's sitting there. And I'm doing all the work. Quick look at some of the famous drifters. You know, Adam and Eve, it happened to them. They drifted. Right? The first of God's creation. Saul and David, Peter and Judas. You can go through the list of Bible characters. Elijah and Samson, Moses. In Exodus chapter, in Exodus chapter 5, Moses, God had promised to deliver Israel. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought us trouble? Why have you brought trouble upon these people? Remember that? Is this why you sent me here? Another one of those kind of Bold statements to Jesus, you know, really, you sent us here to die? Thanks a lot, Jesus. How do people get there? As if Moses cared more about God's people than God did. Lord, don't you care? Can't you see how busy I am? Can't you see all that I'm doing for you? I'm trying to deliver the children of Israel, and now we're going to die. Thanks a lot, God. What about me? What about all I'm going through? What about all I'm doing for you, don't you even care about me? The first danger sign that we might be drifting from the feet of Jesus is we begin to feel uh, sorry for ourselves, self-pity. Woe is me. Woe is me. Poor me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat a worm. Nobody cares, right? Woe is me. What about me? The second danger sign that you might be drifting from the feet of, of Jesus is you blame it on others when you feel lonely. Verse 40, uh, again, Part B of that verse, my sister has left me to do the work all by myself. Doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just kind of sits here while I'll do all the work? You know, you begin, to, you begin to, to do things a little differently. You begin to feel as if you're the only one working for God. And that's why I said sometimes this happens in the church. You begin to blame others when you feel lonely. And here I am, I'm doing all this. You begin to do things for him instead of with him. And our serving should, should be birthed out of, it should come from who we are. It's a heart in love with God, abiding in Christ, not just doing to do. Pride very easily begins to show its ugly head, and it's a long and lonely fall from a loving God, right? Pride, the Bible says, comes before a fall. What about me, God? Don't you see all that I'm doing? I'm the only one that seems to be working for you. Everybody else is just doing their own thing, but not me. I'm the one working so hard and so long, and I'm doing and doing and doing for you, God. Never taking a break, just plugging along. 
and everybody else is just sitting here. So if, if he or she or others would help a little, then, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so hard. If others would do their part, then I wouldn't be so stressed or overtaxed. You see where it's going there? There's a vicious cycle. You may be in danger from drifting from the feet of Jesus when you begin to blame other people for your feelings of loneliness and feeling like you're being left to do the work all by yourself. And really, loneliness, I've, I've come to realize it's God's friendship cry for intimacy with you. If you're feeling lonely, draw closer to Jesus. He's wanting to cultivate that intimacy with you. The third danger sign and I know I'm moving fast, but I want to get through this this morning and wrap up with a challenge. The third danger signs that you might be drifting from the feet of Jesus is that you demand God to fix someone else. Think about this. Verse 40, tell her to help me. So you begin to assume that someone else is broken, not you, right? Well, certainly the problem is her. Or the problem is him. It's not me. I couldn't possibly be the one, right? Right? We, we look at others. Lord, if you would only fix my wife, then boy, we would have a great relationship. If she would just, you know, do it, I would, you know, I kind of, I got it all written out. I could really make it easy for her. Do these things, then we'd be happy, Right? Or my husband, you know, you reverse the roles however you want. After all, you know, they're the ones with all the problems anyway, right? You know, Lord, please fix them. You know, we had a staff meeting this week, and I, I loved how um, Jeff explained, you know, the, the identity crisis in the world today. You know, people are um, struggling with who am I in Christ and <clears throat> trying to find their identity. And really... You, you and I have to realize that we are just called to be reflections of Him. There's nowhere in the Bible that says this is what your identity should look like you, other than a mirror image. You were created in the image of who? Right? So who are you supposed to look like? You can say it, Him, God. And stop searching for some type of identity somewhere else. I got to find who I am. You know, find who you are in Him. Mirror image Him. Just be a reflection of God and then you will know who you are. The image of God. Not this, some, I got to do this. And, and listen, young adults, please. This is, a, this is a hopelessly difficult journey. Young adulthood and discovering yourself and growing and all that. But listen, the best thing you can do for yourself is get to know Jesus, and then your identity will be secure. There are tons of, and I'm going to step on lots of toes, there's tons of dysfunctional Christians in the world today wandering around aimlessly looking for who they are, all kinds of uh, confusion, chaos, difficulty in marriages and relationships and life and jobs and all that because we're not mirroring the image of God. If we would discover our identity in our intimate, abiding fellowship with Jesus, it would transform the world. All right? Think about that for a minute. So stop looking for your identity in your job, what you do, in your relationships, who you're with, 
you know, how pretty is he? How pretty is she? And I remember in high school that being the thing. You know, if you if you got with the prettiest girl, man, you had arrived, you know, or the prettiest, the best looking guy. Whatever. And that's where the identity was all wrapped up in. And being a kid and your identity and how you look and, you know, am I too short? Am I too tall? Am I too big? Am I too small? Am I fat and skinny? Blah, 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 identity. Get to know the, get to know Jesus through an intimate abiding fellowship with him and your identity will be rock solid. It doesn't mean you won't have trouble in life. You will, but your identity will be unshaken because you're mirroring the image of Jesus because of your relationship with him. Jesus tenderly and lovingly corrects her because that's his nature, Right? He gently reminds Martha that Mary has chosen the good part. What's the good part? Sitting at his feet while there's learning, while there's rest, while there's protection. You remember the little bike illustration? There's safety there. Stay by my side, near to my feet, close to me, and you'll be okay. Now, raising children has been... Uh, a wonderful journey for my wife and I. We were watching a video this morning she showed me from uh, seven, years, seven years ago and just so cute with kids and uh, looking back on some past memories and uh, my kids had done a gun safety course and one was testing the other on, they had to make the pledges and it was so cool, just cute. But I, it was reminded me of another story um, when, when it wasn't so fun, when you couldn't sleep through the night. I think we probably went about nine or ten years without sleeping through the night. And that's what happens when you have five kids and they're about two years apart. You know, right about when one gets to the, then the next one comes. Uh, and I'm not saying that, oh, woe is me. I'm just saying it was a journey. And I can remember one particular night. It was in, in Binghamton, New York. I remember the bed. I don't remember a lot, but I remember where the bed was. I remember the bedroom that I was in. Uh, and I remember that it was my turn to get up with, um, it was Micah at that time. And I knew it was my turn because my wife's foot was in my back shoving me out of the bed. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not smart, but I'm not dumb either. And so I, I got up and I said, okay, it's my turn. And I'm one of those guys that's a really heavy sleeper. I don't know about all of you, but I honestly could sleep through a fire in the house. And I've done that before. But <clears throat> with the children... Uh, it was always challenging, and, and um, it was my turn. Lisa was exhausted. She had been up all night with Molly, and I got up with Micah, and I, <clears throat> I've shared this story before because it, it's a great illustration. Uh, and I went in there, and he's screaming, wah, 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 and, you know, and I'm exhausted, and I'm not thinking straight, seeing straight, anything. I just reached down. I grabbed this bundle of baby in the crib, and I would throw him up over my shoulder, and then, wah, 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 and I'm patting, doing whatever good dad should do, you know, pat him and try to, you know, just comfort him. And I'm, I'm rocking and, wah, wah, and then, wah, wah, I got a, and I'm still patting and, wah, wah, and he's not stopping. He's just keep going. And all of a sudden I hear, bam, the door slams open. My wife looks at me, give me the baby. Okay. Yes, dear. Happily. So give my wife the baby and she's got the lights on now and we can see. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to make it stop. It's not stopping. And so I give her the baby, and, and it's really not good. So what happened was what I thought was his head was his behind. And so I had him like upside down and, in, and inverted, and I was smacking him in the face <laughs> instead of his bum. You know, it's, it's okay. No wonder the poor child's got brain damage today. Um, so, 
So I, she unwraps them and is like, what are you doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Get out of the way. Okay, here you go. And I'm back to bed. Um, but within seconds, I know that that was, you know, what I was doing wasn't good. But within seconds, the baby shut up and it was quiet. And he had what he needed. Uh, what he needed was one thing. He needed mommy, and honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if I had done everything perfectly. Uh, he still wanted mommy. And if you're, if you're a dad and you've been through this, sometimes you know the only thing that works sometimes is just mommy. One thing is needed. That baby wanted one thing. And what I want you to remember today is one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing is needed. Now look, at, look in the next verse, verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only what? One thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha allowed her mind to get all divided. Her spirit was disturbed. She was all upset. She wasn't. But Mary discovered the one thing that was needed just to be at the feet of Jesus. Listen, don't get all frantic over you know some people have talked to me about their fast and the things that they're giving up and the, the things that they're trying to do better and the, and those are all wonderful things and why do we fast why do we give things up to draw closer to jesus so you don't do it to lose weight or to to twist god's arm or to get what you want you do it because there's one thing that's needed the one thing is to be at the feet of your master the one thing is to be close to him the one thing is to be in fellowship with him the one thing is to be abiding with him and the only way you do that is to just get alone with jesus that's why we're doing this for 40 days, it's 40 days of focus. It's 40 days of, yes, you giving things up, starving the flesh to feed the spirit, but the whole point is, it's to not get distracted by, oh, I gotta do this just this way or do that just this way. The whole point is to just focus on Jesus. It's to get alone with Jesus. It's to grow in your walk with Jesus. Spend time in your word. It's to spend time talking to him. It's to remember when you're hungry throughout your day that Jesus needs to be on my mind always and he's got to be my focus because there's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters in this life when it's all said and done. Do you know me? Not do you know about me, but do you know me? And as we get to know him, we will be a beautiful reflection of him to the world. And that's what an unbelieving world will be drawn to. Not the fact that you go to church or you got a cool church or you don't got a cool church, but they'll be drawn to Christ through you because you reflect the image of Jesus. Because you found the one thing that, that Mary found. Are you with me? The one thing that she found. So you're going to either drift or dwell. And today churches are filled with people that are living for God, but they're not living with God. You might be in danger of drifting or maybe drifting from the feet of Jesus if you've got self-pity. If you've got the blame game, it's their fault. If you demand God to fix them. But I want to just give you a couple quick things on how you can address these issues if you find yourself drifting. The, no, the number one thing is just dwelling at his feet. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Never set the Lord's work as a priority over his presence. The things that you want to do. And we know that we don't earn salvation by works anyway. But don't set doing for the Lord as a priority over being in his presence. Being with Jesus. Growing in your relationship with Jesus. Prefer Mary's place. Dwelling at the feet of Jesus. That's where she found place. You learn to balance personal devotion and practical duties. 
If there's one thing that I struggle with more than anything, that's it. It's balancing personal devotion with practical duties. I, I don't know if I want to say I struggle with it. It's, I've got to be intentional about it all the time because my nature is to be a doer, right? And a doer in the kingdom, a doer working for God, a doer being busy for God, sometimes you can miss the whole point of personal devotion with God, being with God, doing things with God, not for God. And let, please understand, you, we've got to keep working, we've got to keep serving, we've got to do our part in the kingdom, there's no doubt about it. But we must, we must remember that we're doing it with Him and not get so wrapped up in our, in our own stuff that we neglect or that we forsake the most important thing. Mary was anxious and attentive to His instructions. I can just, I can just picture her like at His feet, just kind of sitting down, you know, on the mat, just just listening to her master, gleaning. Her focus was there. She wanted to hear. She wanted to learn. She wanted to be as close as she could, right at his feet. I'll sit down, I'll pull up a pillow, Jesus, and I'll just, I'll just camp out here at your feet. And that devotion, that, that desire, that focus is what we, we all so need. Martha was so distracted with the cares and the families of this world Providing adequate entertainment for Jesus, right? Want the home to be all set. Want the dinner to be just right. And these are all good and notable deeds. They're, they're not worldly or they're not, they're not covetous, if you will, cares. But Jesus sends a, a warning to us, his disciples. Beware of the danger of, of allowing even the genuine good works to distract you from the wholehearted devotion to him. Devotion is a matter of developing an intimate relationship with the living God, learning the, the warmth of a life that, that draws close to the Father's heart. And again, careful not to set the Lord's work as a priority over His presence. When we dwell rather than drift, you have rest, you have peace, you have clarity, you have direction. All of that, you exchange an ungrateful heart for gratitude. You stop looking at well, this and that and you, you realize, wow, how blessed am I? You exchange pride for a spirit of humility. You exchange self-centeredness for an intercessor's heart. Where are you today? Where are you today? Well, pastor, I'm, I'm on my fast. I'm doing my, I'm doing my daily studies that you gave. You know, every 40 days, you got a great challenge. And, and if you haven't, we're in week three. We're going into week three. Um, and there's challenges every day. And I had a challenge yesterday. And I, I used my challenge, you know, challenge to get out in the community and to drive around to pray through the community, pray for people. It's just good to help us remain focused on, uh, there's three priorities that we're focusing on, prayer evangelism, blessing evangelism, and serving evangelism. It's all about reaching out, Right? But, you know, you can get so wrapped up in all that that you forget just sitting down and getting at his feet, right? Well, I got to do my Bible reading today. I got to do my this today. I got to do my devotions. I got to spend time with this one. I got... And yes, that's all good and well. What's the one thing that matters? What is it? Be at his feet, right? Be at the feet of your master. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?
I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to just close in prayer today. And, uh, and I know we have fellowship going on outside today and we have the soup. And listen, if you don't normally stay for things, I'd really encourage you to stay. This is a great opportunity to get to meet new people. You may say, I don't know anybody. It's okay, join me. I don't know anybody either. No, just kidding. But this is how we get to know people, hang out with people. I know it's a stretch, but uh, if you can stay, stay for a little bit. Just grab a quick bowl of soup, something out there, and we'll spend some time together. But more importantly right now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, can I ask you to examine your heart? Just examine your heart. I don't, I don't need to uh, see a hand because God knows your heart this morning. He knows if you're drifting or dwelling. So that's, that's the one question I want you to ask yourself. Am I drifting or dwelling? And this is not a judgment or a condemnation. It's just a real important assessment for you to, to be able to answer. Am I at his feet dwelling or am I just busy doing, doing, doing? And if you say, well, I'm, I'm not, not dwelling like I'd like to, how do I change that, Pastor? Well, it's real simple. You do some of what we're doing right now to get refocused. But here's the key. Here's the key to this drifting and dwelling debacle. It's a lifelong thing. You don't just today decide, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dwell and, and stay there for the next month to a year of your life. You have to intentionally be vigilant about staying there. Because guess what? Life happens to us all. Life happens to us all. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you see the hearts of the men and women in this room, young and old alike. You know each person, you know where we're at, you know the desires of our heart. And Lord, I pray that it would be each and every one of our desires, that it would be our heart's desire and passion to truly dwell in your presence, to truly abide in Christ. To, that I pray that it would be our absolute prayer that we would be vigilant about our fellowship with you and we would fight for that as Matthew says that each man has to work out his salvation with fear and trembling which is basically just an attitude that that takes extremely serious our commitment to lordship that we would go beyond just acknowledging Jesus as my savior but we would truly recognize him as the lord of our life in every area Help us to dwell at your feet and to stay there and to not get wrapped up in the busy cares and the worries of this world that we would lose focus on you. Because, Lord, we know Mary found the one thing that is needed. You even said it, the one thing that will not be taken away from her. I love that scripture. One thing and it will not be removed for her is to be at his feet. God, help us to be like Mary to dwell and to abide in your presence. Pray for your blessings upon every person here, Lord, and those that are even now praying that, that you would give them the strength to do this, that you would give them the strength that they, they would develop the disciplines that they need even during this 40 days of focus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Um, soup tables are set up out there. Listen, there you can sit in the teen center.